Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia as we venture into our sub-series, Talking TV Trivia. Whenever there's a TV show that catches our attention, this podcast picks a season and explores each episode through trivia. I'm today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. KJ. I'm Chris. Chris has graciously volunteered to join us as a guest for this entire TV show season. We only had to say it was related to Star Wars, and he was in. For those joining us for the first time, which is everyone, because this is a new series, we start off each episode with four trivia questions to determine who will earn today's trivia crown. Then we followed up with our theme discussion associated with the TV episode, in this case, involving season one of Disney's The Mandalorian. KJ, tell us about today's TV episode. Today, we'll be discussing episode one of The Mandalorian, also known as chapter one, The Mandalorian. This episode was directed by Dave Filoni and written by John Favreau. There will be spoilers for The Mandalorian up through Episode 1, so feel free to pause until you're caught up. In Chapter 1 of The Mandalorian, we're introduced to our protagonist for the series, The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is a bounty hunter who is hired once again to find bounty. After tracking down his bounty on yet another Star Wars desert planet, he engages in a classic shootout to find his bounty. Unbeknownst to him, his bounty is one of the most popular memes on the internet today and will be the bane of his existence for the rest of the season. Let's jump into the rapid fire questions. Each question will be worth the same amount of points as the number of the question. So we're going one, two, three, four. It's time for question one. With Imperial credits out of favor, how is the Mandalorian compensated for his bounties? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. I knew nope. you were going to ask this. I knew it. As soon as he put okay. the... Yep. On, honor code here, too. So once you're locked in, you're locked in. Let's start with KJ. All right. So I my Star Wars vocabulary is not what it used to be. So... It's the currency from the planet from the it's a trap admiral guy. <laughs> I, and I don't remember his species. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it's like three or four soaps from his from that guy's planet. Tom. I I couldn't come up with it. I, I remember the scene, so I just said Baskar Steel. Okay. And Chris. Uh he was given pucks of Mon Calamari Flan. Yes, it was calamari flan. KJ sounds delicious. <laughs> you're you're going to get you're going to get half a point, a first for this series. Nice. <laughs> they were definitely like, like gelatinous too. If you hear the the ADR as they're doing as he's picking them up, mm. they're like kind of they squish. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they do have like a squishy uh, <laughs> texture to them. It's time for question two. What? is the name of the creature represented by the Beskar skull in the Mandalorian covert. What? Yeah, say that again. I, I <laughs> Most of the, I, I don't think I know those words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> don't worry. They're not all going to be this detailed. Uh, what is the name of the creature represented by the Beskar skull in the Mandalorian covert? It was a skull that was decorating the entrance to where all the Mandalorians were hiding. That's called a covert. I don't know. <laughs> I'll lock in. I'll lock in something. I don't even have a good skull joke. I'm locked in. <laughs> I'm, locked in. I'm going to start with 
Chris. Pretty sure that's called a mythosaur, isn't it? It is a mythosaur. Uh, but I would love to hear KJ and Tom's guesses. <laughs> I, I, I said mudhorn just because I that's a thing in the show. Um, yeah, the uh, you know, in episode four, when Obi Wan makes that noise to scare off the Bantha? I'm pretty sure that's a crate dragon. <laughs> Crate dragon, crate dragon skull. That way I can get the full point instead of the half a point for referencing a reference. Or no points more. It looks like Chris is going to take down the points here. I, I think the Star Wars aficionado is getting a head start on, on this episode. It's a what? What is it called? A mythosaur. It's called a mythosaur. And is that it in is a referenced. movie? Where is... Uh, it's part of Mandalorian lore. Again, things so are not Star in, Wars. Not in anything Jason. else. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. It's not a real thing. It is uh, the original Mandalorians conquered the Mythosaur, which was a, a, a beast. Oh, Almost it's like a the, dinosaur. It's the thing Nick Nolte mentions. Yes. He wrote the legendary Mythosaur. Yes. Yeah, when he's when he's trying to learn uh, how to write yes. the blurgs, he says it. Yes. Yeah, yes. okay. That's that they, that is what that is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's time for Question three. This one is open to everybody. I'm, I'm positive. Okay. We see a Star Wars first appear in the Razor Crest ship. What is it? First time we've ever seen this in the Star Wars universe. Locked in. I'll, I'll lock in too. Locked in. Just to make sure the Razor Crest is the Mandalorian ship, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. KJ. Is it the toilet? It's got to be the toilet, right? It's or because the the scientist isn't in there, right? The scientist is the first time we see glasses, but it's got to be the toilet in that guy's ship. I was gonna say um, the little ball that screws on the top of handles that the mandal that the the child unscrews. We've never seen like that little ball thing that screws on the top of levers before in Star Wars. Uh, it is the bathroom, I believe, and I think they call it a vac tube, perhaps. Yes, I referred to it lovingly as the space toilet, but mm-hmm. yes, it is the vac tube. That is the first time we've actually seen the the facilities used to use the restroom in space. So mm-hmm. the point, the three points, will be going to KJ. And Chris, now this last question is worth four points. So theoretically, uh, this could be between KJ and Chris. Tom, it'd be nice for you to get Mm. some points. (laughs) It's time for question four. This one is going to be Price is Right rules. So the closest without going over. Anybody's game here. Mm -hmm. How many years after the fall of the Empire does the Mandalorian take place? Oh, I know this. Lock in. Locked in. Yes, locked in. Sorry. I like KJ's enthusiasm. So let, let's go with this. <laughs> the episode's on the line here, Cage. This is it. All right. Um, well, let's... Ooh, that's a spoiler. That's a spoiler. So my math is based on... Oh, is it a spoiler? Do they, in this episode, do they mention how old the child is? Yes, they do. Okay, so mm-hmm. we know the child is about 50. Correct. And then I read online that the child uh, was probably born about the same time as another major character. I want to see the math on this one. Let's do it. So if I was to guess... When that major character died, he's probably around thirty-six. <laughs> and if this is so, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with twenty-three. 
23 years after the fall okay. of the Empire, assuming the Empire fell in episode six. That's a fair assumption. So uh, Palpatine, you know, the whole deal. So Tom. I can say five. I thought it was five. But they okay. And, and, and Chris? The answer is five. It, is, it happens in the year nine ABY. It was close to 23 years, you know, <laughs> give or take. <laughs> really? It's five years. So mm -hmm. I'm happy to see Tom got some points on the board. The, actually, the largest point question. And it looks like Chris is going to take this one down with a clean sweep of 10 points to take down the episodes. KJ, three and a half. And Tom sneaks up with four. Mm. Now, before we get into today's topic, I also had a, a bonus question. I figured I, I was going to throw out there in case we needed a, a tiebreaker, but I thought I'd throw it out there for fun. What are the two characteristics used to explain the strength of Beskar steel? So if you were going to say how sturdy it is, how powerful it is, what are the two references that are often used? It, it looks good, right? Like part of it is that it, it, it kind of well, it's it valuable. scares away enemies because it looks so cool well it's it's valuable right like the metal itself is valuable and so it's like we're talking about the strength we're talking about the strength oh, characteristic just, uh, it it's it definitely it definitely uh blocks lightsaber blades correct lightsaber blades is one kj any guess no i don't but they say that in this episode i don't remember that at all they know what a lightsaber is in this Oh, I, I, say this, yeah, I said this was in Star Wars. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one's not in this episode. I mean, it is in this yeah, season, but yeah. that's spoiler, so we're not going to get yeah, there. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, this is just general Star Wars. Is it? You gotta. You, if you're gonna get a, the bonus was gonna be worth five points. So you know, you gotta, you gotta is reach it a little bit. Block magnets. What? A, the, uh... Close. It blocks blaster fire. So oh. blaster fire, and eventually we find out lightsabers. Ah. In Star Wars wow. canon, at least. Mm -hmm. so not necessarily saying in in the series but in general in canon mm -hmm. so I, I just thought that was a fun thing i honestly was probably going to just bring it up because i didn't think we we're getting to a tiebreaker. wait how does bubba fett die doesn't he die one of he those guys well in the movies he is eaten slowly by the yeah uh, but he doesn't what the heck is it called sarlacc pit the yeah. sarlacc pit <laughs> So, so theoretically, yeah. So, so he's dragged into the Sarlacc pit. Will he be digested slowly for? I don't remember the exact quote of the term for decades or something like that. Yeah, it was like so, five thousand years. Yeah, and the reason he ended up in there was blind Han Solo hit a, hit his rocket pack and. <laughs> so it was, it was fell in, yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's kind of what happened there. It wasn't because he got shot with a blaster. Mm -hmm. Now. Again, congrats to Chris for taking down this inaugural episode of our sub-series here. Um, I do want to jump into a topic that I thought was relevant for this TV show in general, and that was the concept of a space western, which we'll explore right after these brief messages. My lawn is covered in ducks. Oh no! Fortunately, we have Lightsaber Duck Removal, the strongest duck removal in the world. This company was started by two Jedi Knights, but not your grandmother's Jedi Knights. These are 
cool Jedi Knights, if you know what I mean. So call up 1-800-555-DUCK and two stoned former Jedi will warp over to your residence or place of business and kill or scare away the hordes of quackers, ruining not only your lawn, but your way of life. Last week, ducks going against the direct orders of Grand Admiral Tarkin took command of an Imperial II-class Star Destroyer and just got feathers everywhere. What a mess. But with LSDR, that's lightsaber duck removal, your Imperial Death Squad will no longer be terrified by these demonic birds or their awful mess. LSDR. Luke, I am your... Duck Removal Solution. And we're back. As I mentioned before the break, I really wanted to touch upon the concept of the Mandalorian being a space Western and really talk a bit about what our thoughts are with connections to other Westerns, other space Western type implementations, and then really anything we really thought was cool about this episode is fair game. There's this idea of, uh, of civilization that's coming in and the idea that the Republic has recently taken over and is kind of um, is restructuring the galaxy that hasn't seemed to really touch this region of space, right? This seems to be the wild West and the Republic is is um, is coming in slowly, but seemingly inefficiently. Right, the Empire seemed to have been, uh, you know, for its brutality, a far more efficient uh, governing body. And so what we're seeing here is the the kind of edge of civilization, a sort of lack of civilization, and there is a civilizing body somewhere out there. Um, but these kind of money interests are are in this no man's land and they're sort of shaping that society consequently. What's interesting about this portrayal of the, particularly the outer rim, is for many of them, it actually hurts them that the empire went down because they let them do whatever they really wanted. Unless the empire needed you for resources, these people kind of governed themselves on their own and had their own entities and own different types of conglomerates. And this new Republic, if anything, it, it disrupted that because we even see here the imperial credit system, which they use just for currency, was disrupted. And they don't think the new Republic has the capabilities to do anything that would really benefit them out there. So if anything, it blew up their way of life, although it wasn't because of their love of the empire. It just was the society and the structure in which they played. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it was basic, basically, no matter what your political leanings were towards the empire, the rebellion and the civil war has put everything into flux. And now it's pretty much whoever has the most power is grabbing for it, whoever, and they're, they're just all kind of like going out of their way. One of the things that I noticed in this episode, a lot of times on these outer rim worlds like Tatooine and others from the Star Wars universe, you would never see the Empire on these kind of like drag, like drag planets. They were always in the in the in the core, but now that the empire is defunct, this is where you find the empire. Like this is where you find Walter Herzog and and his little band, his cadre of people. 
Uh, and it's kind of interesting how they've kind of like switched, how the rebellion has now taken the core and the empire is now being pushed out to the fringes, which is basically a, a juxtaposition of the original three movies. What's also great in the way they portray that is when you always saw stormtroopers, they were clean, white, perfectly polished. Now we see them, the first portrayal of them is they're dirty, they're filthy, their uniforms are haggard. They probably haven't taken it off in weeks, if not months. So right then and there, you see the, the shift of power. That was really compelling to me, even that subtle change there. It, the whole dynamic shifted. Yeah, it, it, if I'm going to draw equivalents, usually we think of the Westerns as being somewhere in like the 1840s, 1860s, 1870s. A lot of times, too, there's like the post-Civil War Western, which is, you know, 1870s up to, you know, like like 1920 or so. Um, but this seems to be a lot more like America between the Articles of Confederation and the Constitution. It seems to be like Western America where the uh, uh, the the dollar in the new conf in the new America is kind of faltering. Eventually, Alexander Hamilton has to institute the national bank, and they kind of buy up the currency because the currency just isn't worth anything. Um, I thought KJ was going to just start singing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know what, what ends up happening is like there is this British system that we can call it abusive in some in you know in the use of the stamp tax and the the tea tax and all, all that type of thing but it actually provided a lot of stability such as a a you know functional currency and in this kind of new american country this consequence of revolution we have a, a certain lack of stability for a little while which is you know a, a part of regime change right and that seems to be what going on here it's like a western in space that's equivalent to like america 1785 <laughs> right um and it's, it's interesting to think of like to think of the republic as being not bad guys but inept right it, the mandalorian can't do certain things he can't um seek justice in situations where he needs it and people need the mandalorian to to get what they want because the operations of justice just aren't available to everybody yet. It, it just isn't, it isn't sturdy enough. I love how Tom brought uh, our Space Western back to like Wigs and Tories discussions. <laughs> Who it kind of is, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, like if you read a Tory history of the American Revolution, that kind of makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know. So do you think that's true on both planets? Do you think it's true on the planet where uh, Carl Weather is and the planet where Nick Nolte is? It seems to be, right? They, they don't seem, they seem to be um, different cultures, but similar relationships to the center. They both seem to be periphery. That doesn't make them the same. They're, they're culturally very different. And it seems like, um, it seems like the the sand planet where they go to, is that Tatooine? No, it's something it's else. It's not okay. Tatooine. Okay, so the, the sand planet they go to seems to be, I, I, like poor there seems to be less money there um there seems to be fewer resources it really seems like a scrap metal place while they kind of these gangsterish relationships that require maybe a little more organization and a little more capital seem to be on the carl weathers planet as we are we, we have now named it i think it's also important to understand like realize that i don't think 
any of the Outer Rim planets really had a lot of money or resources in the Empire or the Rebellion. It's just now that there's an it's an instability and nobody knows what's going on. And I feel like different players are trying to stick their hand in the cookie jar that maybe didn't in the past for fear of uh, retribution, but now they're kind of coming to the surface. And I feel like that's why you see so many different bounty hunters in that bar hovering around Carl Weathers, the guild leader, that they're they're all trying to get their little piece of the pie. They're trying to be the first one through the door because if they're the first one through the door, then they can reach further than the next person, I guess. The Outer Rim in general under the Empire was either exploited or ignored. So that's the breakdown. Yeah, but uh, they still provided currency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just the uh, large, I mean, they ruled the galaxy. So that mm-hmm. was just the easy way. Like, what it's is. just like even in, and this may ch- be changing in history and all that, but in general, everything in the global economy tends to track back to the US dollar. Now, will that always be the case? But it was the same thing. It was something that was more solid. So of course, whether they care about the imperials or not, that was the strongest currency because at the time before the rebellion, they were the leading power, which meant that that currency was, in the minds of the galaxy, safer. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a reserve currency, right? Probably. I mean, you know. Um, and it's interesting that that's been replaced by metal, right? We've gone, we've gone back to. It's not exactly a gold standard. It's a, it's a what? A, what's the name of the metal again? Oh, Beskar. But that, that's probably that's Beskar. probably really only important <laughs> to him, though. Like, oh, yeah. okay. It's it, not. It's not like a. It's not an, a standard. It is a, it is a valuable it metal because it can do a bunch. Mm-hmm. Of, it has a bunch of different properties, which Nick alluded to in the questions. Mm-hmm. But it's it's more of a cultural significance to the Mandalorian and the Mandalorians themselves. Which I don't know if that's where we, we should be talking about that or not in here. But that's I think that's more or less why it was also one of the things that was picked to pay him with. So what? So why is Carl Weathers consider himself rich because he has it? Well, I mean, it, Carl Weathers doesn't have he, it. He does. He does yeah, he have does. two bars he, of it. He has two of them. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I think it's more of a status. Yeah, it is, it is valuable, like, and it's rare. That's another, like, so I guess yeah, anything that's rare is very got, rare. Is where it got a monetary value to somebody. But it itself is not used mm-hmm. to mint coins or, or money or credits or whatever you're going to talk about. But to the, to the Mandalorian, it's even more valuable than probably the monetary value because of the, the cultural aspect of it. Yeah, that I got. But it seemed to me like, I, I understood they're not minting coins with it, but it also seemed to be like, kind of a the the way we treat gold right gold could be a commodity even though we don't the difference tom is it's much yeah it's rare it's like extremely i I think it's more like moon rocks tom like they're yeah it's very rare like it couldn't be used as currency because there's just not enough of it to now i know this is extremely important for the podcast but the planets that were mentioned were navarro which is where Carl Weathers' character is. And Arvala 7 is where the Razor Quest goes to the desert world to meet the Ugnat and find his bounty, which turns out to be the child. What's an Ugnat? They were in Empire Strikes Back for a hot minute. They were, uh, they're, they're basically little, little pig-faced men. It was Nick Nolte's character. Oh, they're, really okay, good at engin- yeah. they're really good at engineering and, and fixing mm-hmm. things. It's... Mm. And they were, for generations, indentured servants to the Empire, many of them. Oh, okay. I think that's putting it politely. <laughs> so getting back getting back to the idea of this being kind of like a cowboy Western in space, uh, I, I think it's important to say that first scene is like fantastic. It's very quintessential, you know, cowboy walks up to the saloon door and they kind of swing open and everybody turns and looks. 
like and I got that same vibe and I think the music is very indicative of of that kind of that idea of like a, a western vibe to it everything about the show honestly kind of does that and you can definitely tell that uh Favreau and and Filoni with this this by far out of the out of the episodes that I've watched so far this is my favorite of the of of what we're talking about because of just how they kind of pieced it together with with this uh this kind of ambiance if you will that blaster could have easily been swapped with a six shooter so i know exactly what you're saying there it just had a star wars skin and, <laughs> and just the fact that it's in like it's in a bar like it's it's if, if it's not quintessential western it's quintessential dungeons and dragons like every guy walks into a bar and and the stuff happens i mean it's, it's not it's a perfect. man with no name it's a man with i no thought name. Of, ah. i thought of the helmet being like a cowboy's hat oh. the cowboy never takes the hat okay. off the mando never takes mm-hmm. the mask off i and i I've I've I wrote down a couple notes about how the Mandalorian is very much like Indiana Jones, but we'll get to that we'll get to that later I think. Oh, we'll get to it. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> in future weeks. Check out our website talkingpicturestrivia.com for more information about us and our episodes. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as our YouTube channel. We are extremely grateful for any positive reviews as those help others like you find us. If you like what you hear, remember to like and subscribe to our show. What's your favorite space western and why? Leave a comment on our YouTube channel and let's continue the conversation. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Of course. Uh, Star Wars is my favorite thing to talk about, so I'll talk about this all day. I guess we'll see you here next week. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Additionally, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Where can the rest of you be found? I can be found on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. And you can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time as we continue The Mandalorian with Chapter 2, The Child. Talk to you then. Windwalker's skull on the Mandalorian. <laughs> Whoever it was. Mythosaur? You didn't know the Mythosaur? He talked about, to be fair, he did talk about Mythosaur. So. No, was, was that, what I, do they say his skull? Like Mythosaur. No, but they talk about conquering the Mythosaurs. It could be put together. Mm-hmm. It was only worth two points. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Nolte did like mumble that line a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You should be able to ride a blur. You can't ride a You sound like Admiral Tarkin. <laughs>